Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hey everyone, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast, and tonight I am joined by Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho. You can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on Tumblr. And Elise. Hi, this is Elise. I am barely underscore legible on Instagram and barely legible on Tumblr. What about in real life? How's your penmanship? <laughs> it's pretty. It's, funnily enough, not that great. <laughs> barely legible, perhaps. <laughs> barely legible. <laughs> So tonight we're continuing our coverage of Sansa and Tyrion from A Storm of Swords, and we'll be reading from Sansa 6 from A Storm of Swords, and I want to give a standard spoiler warning and a trigger warning for rape in this chapter, um, as is often the case with A Song of Ice and Fire. So we pick up with Sansa as she's arriving at the Fingers, and um, Lothar Brun, uh, Sir Lothar Brun, helps her into the forecast, which I don't know what that is, but I just went with it. And interestingly, at least I thought, Sansa notes that even though he's a knight now, his clothes are really shabby, but she kind of stops thinking of that. Like, she makes a point of it and instead thinks about how strong he is. And it felt like another moment of her having learned to look past the superficial. So that's kind of immediately how we start off. And we find – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've watched a lot of black sails, and I believe the forecastle is the front part of the ship. Oh, that makes sense. I just couldn't, like, castle in a ship. I, I wasn't yeah, getting right. and I, 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 I think it's, yeah. it's like, it's in the front part, but it's like quarters. I don't think it's okay. like, I don't think it's on the top of the deck. Hmm. Nope, that would make sense. And we learn that their journey to the Fingers has been full of storms, and Sansa has basically spent most of her time in her cabin. And she feels like she's absolutely disgusting and her she probably smells like vomit. Um, she's been having nightmares about Joffrey's death and of Tyrion. And at one point, she even tells Littlefinger when he visits her that Tyrion is innocent. Um, but Littlefinger tells her about Tysha, but he interestingly twists the story. So his version is that Tyrion, or you know, the version he tells or the version he heard, is that Tyrion simply grew tired of the girl and gave her to his guards and that she shouldn't feel sorry for him. And I thought it was interesting that Sansa doesn't even have an internal reaction to that story at all. Um, So I wondered, does she really buy it? Or is she just like, well, that's not what Tyrion told me, or that's not what I heard, or, you know, it just doesn't seem like she reacts. And I would feel like, that's pretty awful. Like, you have like a reaction to that in your head. She's been through so much that maybe it's just like, okay, sure, another thing, I, you know. I'll just file that away for later. Yeah. Yeah. So Littlefinger's kind of, like, hilarious because he's super, he's being, like, super sarcastic about how lovely the fingers are. And it's, 
<laughs> you know, you can tell he absolutely loathes it with every fiber of his being. And, you know, Sansa doesn't even want to go ashore. She basically <laughs> tells him she wants to wait until they're at White Harbor. But Littlefinger drops the bomb that they're not going there. And I just have a short passage I wanted to read. Um, but, my lord, you, you said you said we were sailing home. And there it stands, miserable as it is, my ancestral home. It has no name, I fear. A great lord's seat ought to have a name, wouldn't you agree? Winterfell, the Erie, River Run, those are castles. Lord of Harrenhal now, that has a sweet ring to it, but what was I before? Lord of sheep shit and master of the drear fort? It lacks a certain something. His gray green eyes regarded her innocently. You look distraught. Did you think we were making for Winterfell, sweetling? Winterfell has been taken, burned, and sacked. All those you knew and loved are dead. <laughs> he is sorry. such a dick. Such what, a dick. What, what Martian who have not fallen in the Ironmen are warring amongst themselves. Even the wall is under attack. Winterfell was the home of your childhood, Sansa, but you are no longer a child. You're a woman grown, and you need to make your own home. Oh, my God. Because, you know, she's 12 or, you know, 13 or whatever. She's a child, and he is such a dick. Uh. But I do like the Lord of the Drear for it. I was sort of like, oh, I don't mind that. He spent the whole boat ride over thinking of that. Yes. Oh, he totally did. Uh, uh. This is a guy who rehearses all his lines and tries to, oh, yeah. (laughs) That's who he is. Oh. So Littlefinger also informs her that he's going to be marrying her Aunt Liza. And Sansa is shocked, which I, I kind of was like, really? Because Tyrion knows that, you know, Tyrion knows that's what Littlefinger left King's Landing to do was to go have, like, to go marry Liza. And, like, that never came up. You'd think, like, their marriage was so yeah. awkward that they would have been desperate. Like, Tyrion would have been desperate to, like, have any other conversation <laughs> with her. And the fact that. Her aunt is marrying Littlefinger seems pretty relevant. Yeah. Oh, and she would have heard it somewhere. It wasn't like yeah. it was a secret. Right. I mean, I mean, let's bear in mind she's like a twelve a 12-year-old who's just seen like regicide run for her life. I mean, she's got a lot of shit going on and but it's yeah. like her one living relative. <laughs> like, I don't know. I I kind of get why she wouldn't Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, because so, she, yeah, she didn't know any of the backstory, so she right. wouldn't have known about, you know, Liza and Kat and all that drama. Right. <laughs> so um, so we we meet Peter's tiny household, and I thought it was funny that they're kind of merry, and they like him. Yeah, they actually seem kind of cool, too. Like, they don't right. seem bad. They seem like decent people. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> and it now- seems like... You know, this is a backwater, but it's not like it's really that horrible a place. It's that Peter found it a horrible place. Yeah. But, you know, the other people so, seem like they're happy enough there. Okay, so I just, you just said Peter's tiny household. So now I'm somehow envisioning that he came from this family that left everything to go, like, live in one of those 80 square foot homes. And he's real bitter about it. <laughs> Downsizing. Like they downsized into a tiny, tiny from house. Bravos into tiny. a tiny house. <laughs> 
It's like the the HGTV, what is it, HGTV, where they're like, everybody says they want a tiny house, but they go into them, and they tour them, and they bitch about how tiny they are yes. every single episode. I mean, it's really the only reason to watch those shows is that, I mean, if they were happy in the tiny houses, it would be, like, not at all fun. Yeah. The fun is, like, seeing their, like, scales fall from their eyes. Like, oh, I guess the tiny house is really tiny. Yeah, you don't have to be um, jealous of their cool house, because it's too tiny. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, we also learn Peter's pretty much basically poor. He's super poor. Um, you know, he has this nameless little keep. His herd is 20 sheep or so. So, you know, things are pretty grim. I mean, it's hard to tell. Like, things aren't great in the fingers, but clearly, like, he's just he, – he hates it more than it's horrible, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, over-exaggerating. Yeah. <laughs> So Sansa gets settled and Littlefinger breaks some more news to her that she's going to pose as his bastard daughter, Elaine. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's his mother's name. And she gets this backstory that she's the daughter of a Bravosi gentlewoman whose mom died giving birth and then gave her to the faith. And then when she came of age, she decided she didn't want to join the faith, so she wrote to Peter, who up until that very moment was unaware of her existence. (laughs) Peter gives her some tips, and this one I just found hilarious. Like, he tells her, I have some devotional books you can look over. Learn to quote from them. Nothing discourages unwanted questions as much of a flow as a flow of pious bleeding. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's not wrong. I mean, it's not wrong. Basically, he's like, you're a bastard, but you're also like a bastard Harry Krishna. Like, (laughs) no one's going to want to talk to you, so just don't. Yep. You're, you'll be good to go. Yeah, he's, you know, no fun for Sansa. Um, he offers Sansa some fruit, and, you know, it's very telling at this point that she does not eat the pomegranate seeds. Um, you know, obviously the myth of, of Hades and Persephone, where Persephone eats the pomegranate and is therefore forced to spend half the year in the underworld. <laughs> it seems like some pretty obvious foreshadowing that yeah. um, Sansa is not destined to spend her life in the her life in the veil. Yeah. I did not know that. That's I just learned that in this moment. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I didn't connect yeah. those two either. Yeah. That's cool though. Let's see it. Um and then he he starts giving her lessons. Um he tells her that everyone in King's Landing is is either a player or a piece. And you know, Sansa is kind of like, "Yeah, I was just a piece." But Peter, you know, he tells her it's okay. She's she's just a maid. And then he mocks Cersei, saying that she thinks she's a player, but she's really a piece. And there's a, a good paragraph here about Cersei. Um, she thinks herself sly, but in truth, she is utterly predictable. Her strength rests on her beauty, birth, and riches. Only the first of those is truly her own, and it will soon desert her. I pity her then. She wants power, but has no notion what to do with it when she gets it. Everyone wants something, Elaine. And when you know what a man wants, you know who he is and how to move him. Um, you know, it's funny because Littlefinger gets these proclamations where he seems like all knowing, but this one is interesting in that, you know, we find later that Cersei is actually not utterly predictable and she kind of shocks him by how fast she fucks things up more or less. Yeah. And then, you know, he's telling this girl that he wants, you need to know what a man wants and how to move him. <laughs> like he's basically creating a blueprint for his own destruction. 
Which is good because he is such a, an annoying twit. And uh, yeah, I can't stand him. Is that clear? Because he just <laughs> pisses it's me also, off with every fiber of my being. I find it kind of funny that he's talking about Cersei in the beginning of this, but then he kind of goes on to give her the same speech that Cersei gives her, you know, or she's kind of like, Oh, except obviously from Cersei's point of view, it's, you know what a man wants, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, that right. kind of thing. But it's, it's kind of the same advice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it totally is. Yeah. You're totally right. So Sansa asks if he moved Dantos to poison Jeffrey, Jeffrey, <laughs> am I? Jeffrey. <laughs> And Littlefinger is like, nope, um, I'd never entrust something like that to someone like him. And he asks her to guess again. And in the meantime, he calls Oswell from the boat into the room and has Sansa look closely at him. And she realizes that he's yet another Kettle Black. And Littlefinger confirms that he's the Kettle Black brother's father and tells her how he's really employing them, um, that when Tyrion had Bronn looking for swords for Cersei that he could control, Littlefinger was really pulling the strings all along, um, except now that he does note that Osmond's basically getting uppity <laughs> since he's in the King's Guard. You know, he makes that comment about how the white cloak changes a man, which I thought was um, probably not true. Um, uh. Interesting, but not true. Um so he, Peter tells her that whatever she does, she needs to make sure that her hands are clean. And he hints to her that Lady Olena was responsible for poisoning Jeff. And Sansa's a little horrified. I mean, and she kind of, like, it's like, she's like, oh, my God, I, I could have been buried into a family of murderers. And it's like such sort of. Like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, good luck finding anyone in Westeros that's oh, not yeah. in a family of murderers. <laughs> um, Peter really, you know, Peter fills her and the reader in on the whole plan. So, which is, you know, when he went to negotiate the Joffrey-Marjorie marriage, Olena started asking questions about whether or not Joffrey was an asshole. And Peter swore he was, you know, like, you know, like a lion. (laughs) Wonderful. But made sure his men spread terrible rumors about him so that Olena would hear that. And then at the same time, he started filling Mace's ears with, you know, the King's Guard is so glorious and awesome. And, you know, oh, Loras is a third son. You're never going to find anyone to marry him. Also, he's gay. Um, <laughs> to the point that it was Mace's own idea to make Loras's appointment to the King's Guard part of the deal. So, you know, he, you know, rather cleverly points out that he's trapped Elena in a situation where not only her beloved granddaughter was going to marry this terrible boy, but that her beloved hot-headed grandson was going to be put in a position where he would have to be defending her, and he would inevitably be Kingslayer 2.0. I love it. I know. I love how he said, "You've got the makings for Kingslayer Stew." Stew. Like, that was like really funny. Yep. <laughs> he has practiced that speech in in the mirror a zillion times. Like, just relishing the look of horror on Sansa's face as he starts grooming her for whatever. Oh, God. I'm just imagining the stage. The Tyrells pretty quickly realized they needed a king for Marge to marry, but they didn't need Joffrey when we have sweet, chubby, kitten-loving Tommen right there. And he, you know, Littlefinger basically predicts that, you know, uh, he was sure that he's sure that Tommen and Marjorie will be married, you know, any day. 
So, you know, again, Sansa's shocked. It's, you know, shattering her illusions of this perfect life with the puppies and the barges and the, you know, the ponies or whatever. Is there ponies at High Garden? Yeah, no, horses no. and puppies yeah, and barges. Lots of animals. It's perfect life. And she starts she starts thinking, you know, well, maybe the veil's not so bad and you know, maybe she you know, maybe she can make this her home. So now we get to the Sander Clegane section of the chapter. <laughs> um, it's it's sort of like when George basically was like, I'm just gonna not be subtle about this. I'm gonna literally hit you over that over a hammer. <laughs> With all of the sand sand stuff in the second, in the back half of this chapter, because it's pretty outstanding. Um, You know, we start with Sansa, they're waiting for Lysa to arrive, and Sansa, you know, Sansa explores the area, and she makes friends with a blind old dog. A dog. (laughs) (laughs) Point number one. Uh, Then Lysa arrives, and Sansa is kind of a bitch about it, to be honest, you know, she thinks that even though she's the younger sister, she looks 10 years older than her mother and that she's big, heavier than Littlefinger. Um, she's taller. Really kind of, Isn't that like, yeah. I was kind of, I forgot that she's taller. Than, <laughs> I think Littlefinger's well, really short. Yeah. I was going to say, I think book Littlefinger is supposed to be just um, diminutive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting. In actions, Lysa's really a teenager again, and, you know, frankly, yeah. a very young teenager. She's yeah. very, you know, she simpers over Peter, and it's embarrassing to read, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. And, you know, demands that they wed right away so she can fuck him that night, basically. Um, you know, she promises to scream. Will she oh, keep God. her promise? Spoiler alert. <laughs> Does she stomp her foot? Like, she even stomps her foot. It's yeah, so I mean, she's, she's very much like a child. <laughs> Well, um, all both of them are stuck in adolescence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. so bitter about everything that happened to them, and they cannot get unstuck. If they actually, like, they'd be a terrible couple, but they'd be a match made in heaven if they actually liked each other, or he liked her. Well, you know, it's sort of, yeah, it's like, you know, Littlefinger's pissed because the girl that he was in love with was, you know, betrothed to someone else and was clearly never going to marry him. So he kind Mm -hmm. of has, like, these unrealistic expectations. And, you know, Lysa is upset because the boy that she loved who, you know, slept with her and, you know, who knows what kind of promises they made was Uh, denied her and her father forced her to have an abortion and marry a man in his, like, 50s. With peace smelling breath or whatever <laughs> no. you know i mean lisa kind of i mean just the abortion alone obviously i think yeah. like lisa's got some at least she has certainly stronger reasons to be lifetime embittered um yeah i i don't begrudge her that i mean oh god what a i actually man. feel really bad like this whole thing like is as funny as lisa kind of is it makes me so sad because when she talks about like I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, yeah. but, you know, but when she talks about like watching them dance at their little kind of meager wedding feast and how happy Liza seems, right. you know, that she just looks at him, just moons over him. And it's just like, I kind of, yeah, I don't really blame her. I mean, with everything she's been through, you know, she's just, it just makes me sad for her. <laughs> well, she's like yeah. Sansa who wants to go home. I mean, Liza yeah. thinks she's got everything. And you can't really, yeah, it's hard to be, I mean. It's, it's hard because I think, you know, the, the Lysa is unlikable. She's an unlikable yeah. character, but I mm-hmm. think, you know, we're, we're all, like, happy for her that at least she gets, like, 
this moment. Yeah, she has like two point oh seconds of like yeah, like of happiness. She you know she gets what she's wanted her whole life, which puts her in like the one percent of of people in the story. I feel like. Um. So Sansa gets to be part of the betting. Um, lucky for <laughs> oh, her. Can I ask a question before we move on? Why does it matter that Littlefinger, like he seems, it almost seems like he's the one kind of goading her into like, oh, how soon can we be married? And then when she's like, oh, well, um, today, like right now, then he's kind of, oh, well, uh, why shouldn't we wait? Shouldn't we do it at court? Is there like a reason for that? Is there any logic besides not? So that the biggest, bigger, the biggest lords would, you know, it'd be like legitimized. So like that I took it, at, yeah. Because doesn't he yeah. imagine that? That's I guess I took it at face value that he wanted that. Like he he wanted to be bragging. You know, he wanted st- not bragging, but to show them, like to show them. Oh, yeah. You know, well, I'm legit. He's been like the writ or the little, literally the little guy, you know, who comes from the crappy house with yeah. the twenty sheep or whatever. And this is his, that would be his chance. I mean, whatever else Lysa Aaron is, she is like, I mean, she's yeah. Hoster Tully's, you know, daughter. I mean, she's not chopped liver there. I mean, that's a marriage of status for him. He's moving on mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Moving on up. <laughs> to, literally to the sky. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Like, oh my, oh my God. God. Littlefinger is the Jeffersons. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like evil George <laughs> So now we've come to the moment that I, I know you've all been waiting for. <laughs> the wedding night passage. And honestly, it, it's not as terrible as I remembered it. Um, so Lady Lysa and Lord Peter had the third story bedchamber to themselves, but the tower was small. And true to her word, her aunt screamed. It had begun to rain outside, driving the feasters into the hall one floor below, so they heard most every word. Peter, her aunt moaned. Oh, Peter, Peter, sweet Peter. Oh, there, Peter, there. That's where you belong. (laughs) Lady Lysa's singer launched into a bawdy version of Milady's Supper, but even his singing and playing could not drown out Lysa's cries. Make me a baby, Peter, she screamed. Make me another sweet little baby. Oh, Peter, my precious, my precious, Peter! Her last shriek was so loud that it set the dogs to barking, and two of her aunt's ladies could scarce contain their mirth. Um, anyone want to give a Peter scream of your own? <laughs> so much bleach, so much bleach. They make me another sweet little pig. Like, oh, yeah, that's so tough. Oh. No, no. Uh, um, how funny would it have been if she would have screamed out Littlefinger? Oh, God. Oh, God. That would have been even better. I can't unsee this guy. <laughs> oh, okay. So Sansa, like any normal person, um, gets the hell out of there. <laughs> and as she's walking around, she starts thinking about her own wedding night. And then, um, oddly enough, thinks of the hound. She thinks... Um, the memory of her own wedding night with Tyrion was much with her. In the dark, I am the knight of flowers, he had said. I could be good to you. But that was only another Lannister lie. A dog can smell a lie, you know, the hound had told her once. She could almost hear the rough rasp of his voice. Look around you and take a good whiff. They're all liars here, and everyone better than you. 
She wondered what had become of Sander Clegane. Did he know that they killed Joffrey? Would he care? He had been the Prince's sworn shield for years. Um, I thought that was really interesting. It sort of almost felt like it was Sansa's version of Jamie feeling sorry for the Hall bear, in a way. Because mm-hmm. she's actually almost thinking like, you know, oh, you know, Sander knew this, you know, Sander knew Joffrey since he was like a small boy. Like, is there affection there? You know, he's, she's really like wanting to, it's like she's trying to find a reason to like humanize him yeah. or feel bad for, you know, or, yeah, like find a reason to feel bad for Sander, you know. Um, so she comes back inside and sees that everyone's getting randy and she decides to go to bed and the blind old dog is laying next to her and she calls him, quote, a sad old hound um, <laughs> again. So the singer, who is our old friend Marillion, which you might remember from the initial climb up to the Erie, comes on to her, and he's super gross about it and, like, very very explicit. Um, And then he he tells, you know, she says she's going to go to Peter, and he's pretty dismissive of it. And, you know, he's pretty dumb to think that Liza would side with him over Peter. Just, I mean, he heard everything going on. Um, but he's very confident in his position, and he actually starts to get physical with her. But before anything more can happen, um, Lothar Brune drives him off. And, you know, weirdly, she thinks, you know, it was Lothar Brune's voice, she realized, not the hounds. No, how could it be? Of course it had to be Lothar. Like how I'm just changing the pronunciation of his name every time I say it. <laughs> Did you notice that the the dog growled at yeah. Marillion? Uh, yeah, that's uh, true. That's Which pissed point. me off. Like, he kicks the dog out of the Oh, like, that was horrible. Yeah, that right there. Ugh. And then the other like, stuff. Ugh. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just horrible. I mean, he really molested her. That's just awful. God. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, you know, it's like, I don't, of all the people, I don't really feel sorry for him for paying for not his crimes. Um. So Sansa goes back to bed, and she actually dreams of her wedding night to Tyrion. But in the dream, Tyrion turns into, any guesses who he might turn into? (laughs) Could it be (laughs) the Hound? (laughs) That is correct. Um, And when she awakes, she finds the old Hound sleeping next to her. Um, And she she tells him, I wish you were Lady. And... Mm -hmm. I I was a little not, I'm I'm just curious what you guys think about that because I interpret yeah. is she is that she's not really ready for what that dream means, um. But what did you guys think? Or is it like another? Or is it like a reference to like her wolf? I mean that kind yeah. of connection. Like I just not, thought I, yeah. I took it well, as a that, reference it's, to like a child or to like her, you know, you know, marriage in the sense of moving from her family to her husband's family. But well, I was going, I was just wondering, like the dire wolf thing. Yeah. Oh, like, like, like not so much. Like, I, I mean, I think your interpretation is a really good one. Um, like in terms of like, you know, she isn't ready for whatever. But I think it's also, I mean, another interpretation might be that's part of her starkness and the connection. Okay. So like, like she part of her for, not losing her identity. Yeah, and the or maybe that's 
just him yeah, being well dog. i mean maybe she's being well i mean he has just told her she's gonna have to pose as somebody else and maybe she's being a little prescient about um what's gonna come down the pike at her i don't know well and i've always wondered with when sansa has little callbacks to lady if this is kind of reminding us of like hey remember how all the starks can basically warg into their yeah. wolves but because hers is dead that oh. she kind of has this yeah. like it's like this empty place that it is uh-huh. it is home and it's safety and it's she's a wolf without a pack, you know, yeah. and she be that's how I've always kind of interpreted all those little callbacks, because otherwise, I mean, not to, you know, yes, it otherwise would have she would have been a beloved pet. But, you know, for her to still think of this wolf like years later in such mm-hmm. a like, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, isn't it Bran who taught who? says like of Sansa that she's lost her wolf. I mean, I think yeah. it's it's a piece of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Guile's interpretation is just as valid. Um so, you know, if we think back to or we think forward, I guess in the story to Brienne's chapters, you know, we certainly have a lot of that same imagery of um, you know, in Brienne's case, it's Renly or it's Red Ronnet turning into Jamie. And you know, here we have Sansa's actual husband turning into the hound. And, um, you know, I think we all will very readily assume that Brienne's dreams are, you know, absolute 100% foreshadowing. It's, <laughs> it's a done deal. Um, <laughs> it's canon. But, yeah, it's canon, basically. <laughs> and, you know, reading this chapter, you know, reading the second half of this chapter, I, you know, I would really have a hard time trying to tell a sand sand shipper that it's not canon just as strong because, you know, he's literally turning into her husband on the wedding night. Um, yeah. You know, she listens to Peter and Liza having sex and then starts thinking about him. Hmm. You know, like it's. It just seems like it's so it's so set up and it's hard to imagine. Like, it's weird. It's harder to imagine them, you know, being together than it is Jamie and Brienne. You know, like they're definitely on a different. um, You know, I think it's that Jamie and Brienne, while the looks might be so different, it's like they're on the same like emotional level. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, it seems like, you know, Sander and Sansa are not. But it would, you know, like, I don't know. Like, if they meet in the middle, that would mean a lot for Sansa, basically, which I don't know that I want her to get to. Yeah. <laughs> but it sure seems like, you know, it maybe, and, you know, maybe George being the gardener, um, you know, cut back, you know, cut back the story, but it certainly seemed like he was going there. And maybe this is one of those, like, you know, if there were the five-year gap and we came back to Sansa, you know, 17 or 18, um you know, then it then it makes more sense because I guess you know he would have written this when that was the assumption in his mind that he was going to jump her forward too. So, so who knows? But I, you know, it's like the sand sand ship, shipping is pretty heavy with this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So uh, we get to the the morning after, and Sansa gets called to Lysa and Peter's bedchamber, and Peter tells her that Lysa knows who she is, and Lysa. Right away, she kind of won up Sansa about shitty marriages, <laughs> and as she details her years with John Aaron. Um, and you know, to be fair, I, I believe that Lysa wins. <laughs> like, if nothing else, by like number of years, she would win that. Um, well, she her marriage that. was consummated, right? And you know? it lasted for you know years and years, and she had 
you know, a bunch of miscarriages and just, yeah, like a, I mean, the reason that she looks 10 years older than Kat is she, you know, had a pretty rough time of it. Yeah. And, you know, she's still pissed at Kat for bringing Tyrion into the Vale. And, you know, she's also pissed that Kat took Black the Blackfish to the Riverlands with her. Um, it's kind of funny that she doesn't mention her father, Edmure, at all. Um, yeah. You know, just given that her father's dead. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, they don't really talk about what's going on with Edmure. And I was thinking that they must know that he's alive because, you know, if they think that Edmure's dead... Sansa's straight up the heiress to River Run at oh, that point. Yeah. And they never talk you know, they never talk about it. They never talk about a pos you know, Littlefinger even never like even, you know, further on in Feast, you know, I think there's maybe more knowledge, but he never brings that up that, you know, something happens to Edmure, it, it's straight up Sansa. Um Yeah. And, you know, because they think Bran and Rickon are dead. So I mean she's and, you know, potentially I mean, although Peter has hair in Hall, Sansa would probably also be in line to there if it was challenged. So, I mean, That's they wild. must know that Edmure's alive, I kind of, I thought. Um, so, Liza tells Sansa her plans, uh, that as soon as Tyrion is executed, uh, they're going to secretly marry Sansa to Robert. And there's this little comment in there that made me sad, I don't know if anyone ca- caught it, that um, Robert played with Vardis Egan's son, and <laughs> suddenly got really sad about his death, because you know, that's a dude that did not deserve to die and, like, died for, you know, nothing. And actually, like, of all the things you can blame Cat for, um, like, Varda Seagan is kind of maybe the worst, to be honest. Yeah. Like, there's other things she really couldn't control, but, you know, bringing Tyrion to the Vale directly led to this poor guy and, you know, orphaned his son or, you know, made his son fatherless and stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe I probably shouldn't blame Cat for all of that. Um <laughs> I'd argue that maybe, you know, other people had a hand there, but, you know, okay. <laughs> so, um, Lisa tells Sansa that she's basically living at their pleasure now, and there's just a, a very depressing little passage. Mm-hmm. You're well-born, and the Starks of Winterfell were always proud, but Winterfell has fallen, and now you're just, and you are really just a beggar now, so put that pride aside. Gratitude will become you in your present circumstance. Yes, and obedience. My son will have a grateful and obedient wife. Um, <laughs> which, so so again, again, what are the rules of incest in this world again? Like, <laughs> well, he'd be a first cousin, and that's not uncommon. And and we've got precedents for it in the books. I mean, Tywin and Joanna are first cousins. I know. And you know what? It's not. It was it. I think even there are countries today where it's still like allowed. It, it's not really. really well, aren't there that like, much? I mean, there are there are states where first cousins are allowed. Yeah. I think you have to get um, permission or something. Yeah, like I <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> well, I mean, and like actually, so my sister in law's brother. Oh, well, wow, right up. To, he's married to his first cousin. And they are in their 50s. Oh, wow. There is one North Carolina, right? Oh, no, no. There's a couple of... uh... (laughs) Wait, no, I'm looking it up. I think North Carolina is one of them. Oh, geez. These are all fun. Alabama, this explains so much about our... California. Who knew? 
Connecticut? Wow. And then there's an article. Go ahead. Marry your cousin. It's not that bad for your kids. Although some of these are like, (laughs) oh, it's interesting. There's a couple of states where you have to be, like, somewhere you have to be 65 or one of the parties has to be infertile. Or you need proof of, in Maine, proof of genetic counseling from a genetic counselor. And in New York, oh, my God, it's allowed. Well, there you go, comma. The dating pool has opened up. Oh, God. I have exactly one first cousin, and that's not happening. But, yeah, so I think, you know, it it happens. (laughs) Weird, but, I mean, you know, like, for example, I have – have at least 80 first cousins and not making that up. I don't know like many of them. So, you know, conceivably I could meet some first cousin and not have any idea. It wouldn't be that weird. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of outrage about it, but it's really, there's not that much shared genetic. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know. But oh, it's you know, creepy because he's business. a little boy. I mean, they're children. Right. It's creepy because and- he's like, Eight and she's twelve. Yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of the the creepiness. Um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to end the chapter because we have Lysa. Lysa's basically trying to make Sansa a piece of Lysa's plan. At the same time, Peter is undermining her by training Sansa to be a player. Um, and you know, I think Lysa's also trying to just put Sansa back in the role that she just escaped, more or less. Like. You know, it's very much like Lysa's plan is going to not even work for the space of a chapter, basically, before, um, you know, before her plan is kind of thrown thrown apart. And and just I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we actually already covered Sansa's final A Storm of Swords chapter in our favorite chapter series. It's actually Close the Door and Come Here, episode 214. So this is it for um, Sansa's chapters in A Storm of Swords for us. So... Um, you know, Elise, I know that you've actually been here for quite a few of Sansa's chapters, too. So it's a, a nice way to end it. Um, you know, do you guys have any final thoughts about Sansa's evolution in, you know, in this book? When we started, you know, I believe that her very first chapter is kind of, um, isn't it, uh, is her first chapter when she meets the Tyrells or is it the, no, because I mean, her marriage, the engagement is um, dissolved, I think, in Clash. So it might be meeting the Tyrells. You know, she goes from that girl to, you know, this this girl. Um, you know, in terms of, like, her evolution compared to, you know, that's the thing about A Storm of Swords is from where the characters start to where they finish. She probably has one of the le- the least dramatic arcs in a way. Um, maybe John is one that has, you know, well, actually, no, John has a much more dramatic um, she might have the least dramatic arc from where she starts to where she finishes compared to, you know, someone like Jamie who, you know, is going to completely, or John or Danny, like they're they're all in very completely different places and Sansa's evolution seems to be a bit more, um, bit more subtle. I don't know. I think it's a big, I don't know. Um, well, it's also frustrating because this is, this is kind of where we leave Sansa in the book canon anyway. So it's hard for me to even like think of her story as a whole without it getting blurred with the show canon in my head and being like, Oh, but she goes here and here. And then I'm like, well, no, she doesn't. Like, as far as we know, she marries 
Harry the heir or, you know, Brienne comes and finds her. Like, who knows? You know, we yeah. just, we don't know what actually happens. But, I mean, I've always felt like, I don't know, even though she's not having maybe the adventurous, uh, I don't know, she, I don't, I'm going to take that back. I mean, I think she is on her own. She's on a very Sansa-like adventure. You know, mm-hmm. she's not going to be the one roaming the Riverlands, you know forging her own way like this is her way and I think she is learning to be a player I think she's kind of going to be the sleeper cell like I mean almost the way they used her in the show where she's just kind of flown under the radar and then you know somewhere in the end or towards the end she can go you know what I have learned all these things and I'm going to put this information to use I think isn't that a pretty famous it's either on westeros.org or on reddit there's a pretty famous large thread you know it's like Sansa Stark from pawn to player and it's you know a pretty lengthy analysis of of you know just exactly what you're saying that you know Sansa I mean she almost has to be because she's like the she's our only view into the veil she's really the only um you know, she's very, I mean, she's extremely very much on her own. I mean, we, we kind of think maybe there there might be characters coming to her. Or, you know, if it's the, if it's the, I can't say it in his name. If it's the Sir Shadrach nabs her type of thing, then, then who knows? Um, well, I mean, there, I, I've always felt like, you know, that she's going to be a character who's going to be as tough as nails by the time this yeah, is done. And there's yeah. precedence for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there uh, he's he's inspired. He said he's inspired by a lot of different historical, you know, characters for these books. And there's there's certainly precedence of young women who. Do you think she's like the Queen Elizabeth, you know, with the red hair and, you know, the virginity? She could and... be. I mean, she could be somebody like Catherine the Great, who was separated from her parents, forced to marry. The, I mean, there's plenty of people. Like Catherine de, Medi- mm. de Medici. <laughs> I, I think you could probably point at any, you know, European Russian country and come up with some young woman who, you know, was abused and you know, went from having everything to nothing to having everything again, but maybe just survived by her wits. I think that's... Yeah, yeah, and I, I think her po- potential is, for me, is personally more intriguing than, you know, compared to her sister, Aria. You know, I feel like that's a little more, I think, cliche, but just kind of not as... I think this is a little more interesting. No, I agree. Like, I have such... I actually have such strong feelings about Sansa for that reason, is that, like, while I'm obviously I'm a huge fan of Brienne... For her own reasons, for me, Brienne and Sansa are like the same, almost not that I'm going to say the same character, but you know what I mean? Like, in essence, they're very similar characters, but in different shells and in different like ways where they're I think their power is in how they have been so grossly underestimated. By everyone yeah. around them. See, you I always know? feel and like Jamie and, and, and Sansa are the same character. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I can see that. But I was more to that. I was agreeing with what you said, where Arya, it's almost a little more like she's from the get go been, I'm going to forge my own way with my yeah, sword. It feels like a you know, direct, so it's almost yeah. predictable. Yeah, yeah. That she would yeah. have this type of adventure and that she'll be scrappy and, you know, get out of it. Whereas Sansa, she's not particularly quick. We're not expected to see her as quick witted necessarily or crafty or any of these things, but she's, going to absorb the information she needs to to 
survive and to, you know. Yeah, maybe that's, you know, like, you know, I think it's interesting that you described her as like not quick because that does actually make me think a lot of Brienne. Like neither of them are particularly quick, but they're not dumb. They're just, um, you know, you kind of get the impression that they're those people that are always listening Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're maybe in the background. I mean, I think it's hard for both of them, you know, Brienne, because she's kind of, you know, as Renly would say, the grotesque and, and Sansa is, you know, like this, you know, beautiful, um, you know, very extremely well-born, you know, woman. She's always going to, she's going to have a hard time fading into the background basically. But, you know, if that's all people see, you know, if that's all yeah, people see yeah. her as they will, you know, and I mean, Littlefinger is already there. Like he's, he's basically acting like a Bond villain with her. Like, let me tell you all of my plans so that you know exactly what to do to take me down. You sly dog, you got me monologuing. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I don't know why, but this sort of made me think of that Annie DeFranco song where she says, God help, what is it? God help you if you're an ugly girl, but too pretty is also your doom. Yeah. Because everybody hates the prettiest girl in the room. Yeah. Oh, my God. It just, I thought of, yeah, because, I mean, that's sort of the same thing. People see you and they're automatically going to assume things about you because you look a certain way. And whereas someone who's a little in the middle might not get as much, you know, that attention either way. Yeah. And I mean, maybe, well, you know, in her disguise as Elaine, she's not quite, you know, she's a bastard. She's not quite as striking. Um, you know, maybe, you know, she will fade. You know, she does fade into the background a little bit. You get the feeling, although it seems like the key players in the veil know who she is. Yeah. Well, and there's also she's got other dangers. I mean, no, but well, Joffrey might have gone after Sansa Stark, but, you know, Peter's bastard daughter is probably considered fair game. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. I like that Ani DeFranco thing. I I know the song 30, you're talking about. That's a good song. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love that song. It's good. Yeah. I haven't thought about the in a long time either. Gotta <laughs> 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 kind of listen to that. Yeah, New I think songs. Songs the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think that with Sansa, I think that ultimately she's going to be one who. I don't want to say like stumbles into her power, but it's not like she's not out seeking it. But mm. it will find her, you know, like she's isn't she basically the heir of I mean, technically, Bran is the heir of Winterfell, but he's going to be off being the three eyed raven. So, like, he's not going to take that mantle. And we don't know what's going to happen with Rickon in book canon. So, Although I mean, Rob signed it over to John. So if, you know, Rob, did he? By Rob's yeah. Role, yeah. If, if, if they go, can find that yeah. and it's not a MacGuffin. Yeah. But, you know, then, John's <laughs> dead in the book. Yeah. So. This is the other yeah, that's a complication. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, she, you know, and then there's, you know, there's definitely the thoughts around, um, you know, yeah, Sansa has a claim on a lot of different places. You know, she has a claim on a lot of different places. And, you know, if you're Egan, for example, coming in and, you know, things don't go well with Ariane, I mean, Sansa is the, the uh, you know, if Sansa was presented to you, she's the obvious choice. But, I mean that it seems unlikely that her fate would have her going south. You know, who knows? I mean, I mean, if, I, it, if she does end up with Jamie and or Brienne, then I could see it happening. I could see her being south, but I don't know. I can't. I've always felt like that she's not done with her marriage to Tyrion. No, yeah. I don't think she's either. Yeah. I, think that's, I feel like I think not. he didn't end that for a reason. Well, mm-hmm. and I mean, obviously, 
at some point George was thinking of a marriage or a you know a marriage or relationship with Sander. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And um, oh, I don't remember what I was. I don't remember. But, oh, and just you know, I think we talked in her last chapter about the physical trials that she's gone through. So I mean, you know, she's getting like this these Machiavellian Machiavellian lessons, and she's getting these physical trials like. You know, in the end of A Dance with Dragons, you know, Varys gives that famous speech about Egan. And I think, you know, we're supposed to sort of think of, you know, I think, or at least me, I automatically think of, you know, everything that they've kind of trained Egan to do or to go through. Both John and Danny have gone through because, like, that's the life they lived. But actually thinking about it, you know, those things that he's talking about can describe Sansa as well. Um, you know, she's... You know, she's kind of living this life of serv- you know, of servitude in the Vale, or she's, you know, kind of you know, living a lower class life. Basically, she's gone through all these trials and tribulations. She's learning all of the statecraft. Like, yeah. she's also getting this training that Varys was trying to create in a, you know, in a safe space, basically for Agon. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's yeah, interesting. Say she's Ag, yeah. That, you know, he can, he's describing when he's describing, like, what he's trying to create. And I think... You know, she certainly fits there as someone that is being, you know, again, you know, there's those characters that, you know, yes, John and Danny are the obvious ones, but there's other characters like Jamie, like Sansa, like Asha that are clearly being groomed for, mm-hmm. um, for leadership, basically. Like they are being groomed as people that, you know, could potentially lead people through whatever hell is, you know, going to be unleashed onto the world. Mm. That's yeah, true. That's putting it, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Arya, for example, you know, yeah, she's she's not, or Rickon, like, they're not yeah. being groomed for leadership positions. There's going to be cracking nuts in the corner. <laughs> yep. It's really not happening for them. Um, so That's anything true. else for Sansa before we uh, we say goodbye to her, her and Storm? I did just want to ask, because we kind of glossed over it, but, like, I both love and hate how... Liza receives her after she's once she learns who she is like on one hand I don't know how genuine it is but on one hand she's like yes you're my blood and you're my niece and here's what we're going to do to protect you but then there's also that just like bitterness you can just feel the bitterness of like oh you look like cat oh don't worry we'll fix that I was hair toss prettier than her anyway back (laughs) in the day (laughs) there's such a like I can't tell, at least in at this point, you know, yeah. like, I you sense that she loves her. And, well, and side note, you know, when Lysa talks about how she's had, like, five other stillborn babies and stuff, like, she definitely, I feel like she could. She doesn't have to be terrible to, <laughs> to Sansa. But, I mean, I guess she's terrible by default. But I don't know. I just, I'm so I mean, interested in that. They seem to have issues. I mean, I feel like Sansa kind of is walking on eggshells in Storm, but. Or, you know, in that last chapter a little bit. But, I mean, if Peter hadn't basically come on to her. And, I mean, you know, frankly, Robin is a nightmare. And, yeah. I mean, you you know, you're some at some point you're going to upset him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's inevitable, even though he seems to really adore Sansa. Like, at some point, it's going to, you know, she's going to do something. And... He's a ticking time bomb. Right. Yeah, and she was, you know, doomed to, I don't think she could ever look past Kat. She would always kind of resent her. Yeah. Just, you know, 
she's gone and Sansa's the replacement she could take it out on. Well, yeah. and, and Sansa yeah. looks like her mother. Yeah. So it's not even like, I don't know, well, Arya would be, a, it, but I mean, like, if Sansa, like, let's say, had the dark hair and the gray eyes, you know, maybe it would be one thing and I she could probably. Actually, Lysa and Arya, that would be totally fine. Because like, <laughs> Arya would be no threat to her. <laughs> And helping Arya's... her push people out the door. <laughs> yeah, until Arya like smacked Robin upside the head, uh, and then it would all be over. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, she'd just like stay away. You know, yeah, it would just be such a different relationship. Like, you, yeah, interesting. It, but this is not. I mean, Sansa's too glamorous. She's too much like her mother. She's too threatening. And Lysa is still so stuck in what happened when she oh, was a yeah. teenager. And and Cat uh, is a huge part of that. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. I mean, I feel like you can already feel it here that she's primed to. Oh yeah. As she is later suspect, you know, and be jealous of. Sansa and Littlefinger, you know, and Littlefinger's attraction to Sansa. Like, yeah. constantly trigger her. Yeah. It it's kind of yeah. like she's the stepmother in Cinderella in a way, you know, like, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, Jealous. Yeah, well, just, you know, like, putting, like, showing her her place in the household. And, you know, like, I'm surprised they didn't, like, get her some ugly clothes and make her, you know, do the, <laughs> you know, tend the, the fire. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's kind of the archetype here is the... You know the mean step. You know the mean stepmother, except it's the you know the evil aunt, I guess. But um, you know, I mean, you can totally understand where it's coming from with Liza, and it's just you know, it's another chapter of her her kind of tragic life. In that, you know, she just had so much trauma when she was at like a really vulnerable age, and yeah, I mean, I think you know she didn't really age past that point emotionally. You can see it with her, you know, interactions with Peter, and then you see it with Sansa. Like basically, it's like the other cute girl moved in, and now she's, you know, Mean Girls. You know what? Look yeah. out! I'm here, and yeah, putting, you know, trying to put her in her place. Yeah, it's just, it's too bad. Well, we actually we had a couple pieces of mail on Tumblr, but um, we decided that they are. So thank you for those, the people that. Um, sent them in, but they're both like really way more appropriate for drunk cast. So we're gonna hold on to those and save them for for drunk cast. But um, we would love to get your mail, which you can send to us at close the door end at gmail dot com, or you can find us at Tumblr at close the door and come here, or on Twitter at door podcast. Um, you can also review us, like and review us on iTunes. That really helps us. Um, that helps raise our rankings as well on iTunes so more people can find us, which we would love, especially as Game of Thrones Season 8 starts to loom. And you can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. And you can also become our Patreon and receive special benefits like early episodes, uh, which we are always happy to happy to give out, and some special episodes too. So we would love your support on Patreon. And I think that is it, unless anyone has some final words. Nope. Nope. No final words. (laughs) Well, then I am closing the door. Get out.